Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Gordon Dean, and this is the Source Seed Pod podcast. Tuning in to the Sower Seed Pod podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Dean, and guys, I want to talk about something real today. Not that any of this isn't, but oftentimes when I'm doing these podcasts, I talk a lot in terms of you need to do this, we need to do that, and I I'm a little concerned that at some point it may come across that I think I live some sort of pure life or that I am somehow not subject to the same concerns or temptations as others. And I wanted to take a little time today to kind of address that. As I've said in the past, these these podcasts and and blog posts tend to be very cathartic for me, um, meaning that they, they cause me to, well, the first thing is they cause me to analyze my my walk and and what scripture has to say about that but the next thing that they do is to provide quite a bit of soul searching on my part so as i've said before when i'm when I am, for lack of a better description, preaching in these podcasts, I need you, the listener, to understand that I am preaching as much at myself as anyone or anything else. And so with that in mind, I kind of wanted to just kind of I guess have a conversation with you today. Obviously, it's going to be one-sided, but I wanted to talk about something that has really been it's really been dogging me lately, and that is the subject of temptation. Now, temptation is in and of itself nothing new. I mean, you know, seriously, you look in the Bible and it's, you know, we're, we're still at the very beginning and the serpent tempts Adam and Eve into disobeying God. So temptation and the disobedience that giving into that temptation leads to is quite literally a story as old as mankind itself. So, if you're sitting there struggling with temptations 
understand very clearly that you are not the first, you are not the only, and you will most likely not be the last. So, I guess the first question is, I mean, really, what, what is temptation? Now, obviously, I mean, I think, by and large, we all have a pretty decent idea of what the word itself means, but we don't really stop and think about what the act and, and what the, the, the process of succumbing to it is really about. And, and don't get me wrong, it's not always necessarily a bad thing or, or even a sin necessarily, but understand that temptation is always more appealing when it's a temptation to sin. Always. Now, sometimes, you know, look, you're you're at the store and it's been a long day and it's hot outside and you really shouldn't be spending anything extra. You just ran in to, you know, grab a loaf of bread but that cooler sitting there by the register's got a bunch of ice cold sodas in it and by golly it's hot and I'm thirsty and so I'm going to give in to the temptation to spend the extra, you know, buck and a half or whatever it is these things are going for now cuz I want it. Now, you might even fool yourself into thinking you deserve it, but Let's be honest, it's because I want it. Now, is that a sin? Eh, probably not. I mean, obviously, everybody's circumstances change, but grabbing a, a cold soda on a hot day is not, in and of itself, a sin. It's the big ones we got to worry about. And, of course, you know, look, I'm using the term big ones loosely because, at the end of the day, sin is sin. There's, there's no one sin that's greater than another in terms of the stuff that we as Christians are tempted to give in to that interfere or sully our walk with God. But we tend to think of them as the big ones because, well, for a number of reasons, not the least of which being because they are so difficult to resist. And understand too, folks, for everybody, it's, it's different. Um, for example, alcoholics are often tempted to drink, especially shortly after they've given up their, their habit. And there could be any number of things that, you know, play into that. Uh, it could be, you know, I've had a rough day. It could be, I miss drinking. It could be any number of things. And let's be honest, folks. Sometimes the knowledge that I can't just have one beer or I don't need this right now or I know what's going to happen to me if I drink isn't enough. Sometimes we give in to temptation. 
that doesn't make us bad people. It makes us flawed and broken. But that's the state we were in when he found us. So the question is not, am I somehow less of a Christian if I've given in to temptation? As much as, have you repented, meaning truly and genuinely begged for forgiveness and tried to change an aspect of your life to avoid that from happening again? And, you know, again, folks, that's, that's not the only example. But again, we, we, tend to, we tend to think about temptation in terms of, well, really in terms of the, the ultimate ramifications. Because let's, let's give an example. If, let's say I'm an alcoholic and I live by myself, I have no wife, I have no children, um, I'm going to work every day, I'm handling everything in terms of paying my bills and all that stuff. Does it really matter if I get hammered? Well, yeah, it does. Because that's going to interfere with your walk and your relationship with God. And, to be blunt, your relationship with others could be part of the reason why you're single is because you never leave your house. It could be Part of the reason why you're single and have no kids is because you're a mean SOB when you drink and ain't nobody wants to be around you. Could be any number of things. I'm just using that as one otherwise random example. Now, there are some other things perhaps that we might not think of in terms of sins being quote-unquote bigger than others. And let me give you an example. I don't think that anybody would disagree that cheating on your wife is bad. And there certainly aren't any Christians that would disagree that cheating on your wife is a sin. The Bible is very clear about sexual immorality and not defiling your marriage bed. But, you know, if, if she doesn't know about it, well, the fact is that Research has shown that whether or not she's aware of it, it's still going to end up hurting her and affecting her. But what about some things that we don't normally think of under those headings? I mean, when I, when I say cheating on your wife, obviously your, your mind turns to an extramarital affair, having relations with somebody who's not your wife. And potentially for those of you who uh, hold a drastically different world view on the subject than I do. Let me qualify that by saying that also without your wife's 
consent or knowledge. But there are other things that we don't think about in those terms. For example, pornography. Well, again, studies have shown that it's not victimless. Now, I'm not at this moment going to try to have any sort of debate about whether or not the individuals appearing in these pornographic images are uh, abused or uh, suffering in some way. Uh, again, there's a thousand different directions we could go with that. What I want to talk about is the fact that, again, studies have shown that consuming pornography interferes with your ability to have normal relationships with your spouse, with your children, with your co-workers. It affects every aspect of your life. And not in anything resembling a good way. I mean, you just, you can't, you can't be consuming pornography without having it affect you. And if you think that, you know, what you're doing is not going to be creating any sort of an issue, you're wrong. I mean, and it's not just the Bible that says this. This is, scientific studies have proven that this is the case. But on a deeper level, when you are consuming pornography, what are you doing? You are, at the very least, looking at women that are not your wife through eyes of lust. Or, to be fair, looking at men that are not your husband through eyes of lust. And let's, again, let's, let's be real for a minute here, guys. Most of the time when we consume pornography, there is usually a very specific, uh, activity that it usually culminates in. And again, if you're doing that while you're looking at other women with eyes of lust, how is that, I mean, genuinely any different than actually having stepped out on your wife? You are receiving sexual gratification from another woman or in relation to another woman. So these things that we're tempted to do, and, and look, guys, I, I understand. I, I know it's easy for me to sit here and to, you know, wag my finger and porn is bad. But let's be honest, man, it, sexuality is everywhere anymore. It just 
is. It's all over the television. It's all over magazines and newspapers and, and everything that we consume anymore will almost invariably contain some sort of sexually stimulating or sexually appealing imagery. And it's very difficult when you're exposed to a great deal of that not to have your mind go that direction. The question is, is your heart going that direction? So what do we do? What What is it that we do with this? Now, I understand that if you're listening to this, and especially if you're not a Christian, but if you're, if you're listening to this and you are a Christian, you hear me talking and, and you're going to hear what I have to say next. And you're probably going to have some sort of, I don't know if it'd be an emotional or, or a mental response, but you're going to say to yourself, yeah, well, geez, Gordon, that's, it's awfully easy for you sitting there, you know, completely and physically removed from my situation to sit there and, uh, to borrow the line, cast the first stone. Understand something, folks. I'm not casting stones because I am not without sin. And I'm going to be blunt. I am not without this sin. Again, these podcasts are intended to be cathartic, meaning dealing with my emotions coming to emotional revelation of my own. So the first thing that we as Christians need to understand, and again, if you've heard this, you're going to basically, this is going to sound like yada, yada, yada. If you haven't heard this, I want you to listen very carefully. And if you're not a Christian, I want you to listen doubly carefully. But in the book of Hebrews, the, the fourth chapter and the 15th verse reads as follows. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now, it's a direct reference to Jesus. He's, as the Christ, he is referred to as our high priest, the, the one that intercedes between us and God, the one whose sacrifice covers over all of our sins. And while this was not the sole purpose behind the Lord coming to earth in flesh, it is, however, a perk or a benefit to that having happened. Jesus walked the earth. He was every bit as much a man or a human, if you will, as you or I are. He was subjected to the very same temptations that we are. So when we go to him with these these temptations, these pains, because let's be honest, folks, sometimes, especially if it's one that you've been dealing with for a long time, it can be painful to try to walk away from this. And so when we bring these to him, when we petition him to help us with these temptations, he 
knows what you're talking about. It's not that we're going to an impersonal God that has no idea what it's like to be a man. We are going to a Messiah who has the ability to save because he understands what he is saving us from. He's been there. He just hasn't done that. And this is really important because, you know, it's it's like trying to go to somebody and say, you know, this is something I'm struggling with and they have no idea what you're talking about. They can't offer any kind of advice. They can't really help you. So what do we do with this? What how how do we bring this to him? Now, I'd like for you to when you're done here, either if you haven't listened to it, Heck, even if you have, go back into the the list and look for the, the podcast marked Submission. It was a um, podcast on June 7th of 2020. It's uh, marked as Season 1, Episode 19. There is uh, a podcast marked Submission, and that will kind of help frame what I'm about to say. So what do we do with these temptations? We submit them to Christ. And by that I mean we give it all up to him wholly. It's not now a matter of help me with this, Jesus. It is, Jesus, I can't do anything with this. I need you to take control of this part of my life and because you need to control it because me even touching it is going to end in disaster. I am giving the whole thing to you. I need you to take control, full control of this. There really is genuinely no other way for us to be able to get around these temptations. Now, Paul reminds us in, in his letter to the Corinthians, uh, the first one, chapter 10, verse number 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, if you're dealing with alcoholism, alcoholism is a common temptation. Or I should say the, the call of alcohol is a common temptation. It's not just you. It's not just your buddies at AA. It's common to all of us. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he also provides the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, again, you might be sitting there shaking your head going, you know, you understand. You don't understand what I go through with my temptations. And it's easy for you, Gordon, to sit there and say that, you know, God always provides a way out of it. But 
I want you for a second to actually think about this long and hard. I want you to take just a moment and I want you to think about what is the biggest temptation that you struggle with. And let's use alcoholism as an example. And please, if that is your sin of choice, so to speak, if that's what you're struggling with the most, please understand I'm not picking on you. I'm trying to help others understand, and, and, and this is, I'm going to be honest, it's an easy analogy for me to use for a number of reasons. But if alcohol is, is the, the temptation that you struggle with, I want you to, regardless of whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever temptation it is that overcomes you from time to time, or even more than time to time, think about this. An alcoholic is going to be tempted to consume alcohol. Now, in reality, it is actually more difficult, requires more energy to go through the steps required to consume that alcohol than to not. Now, again, I'm not trying to be flip and I'm not trying to belittle the power that it may hold over you. But as with most of, of these sins that plague us, it's actually less energy to simply don't. And again, I use alcohol as the example. You need to go out and buy it. You need to, in some cases, chill it because nobody wants a warm beer, for example or, you know, ice in your Coke to go with your rum, whatever it is. And then you have to pour it, then you have to drink it, and you've got to repeat this over and over again to get to a level that, you know, your body says, okay, I've, I've finally reached the end of my ability to try to chase whatever need this is trying to fill. When in reality had you just simply sat on the couch and watched TV, you would have avoided that. And I, and my experience, and again, this is just me speaking here, my experience has been that all of these quote-unquote big sins, it's actually a process that requires more energy to go engage in these sins, these temptations, than it is to simply not do it. Now, I use the word simply, not easily. And you'll notice that I never said at any point that it was easier to just sit on your couch and watch TV instead of engaging in whatever this behavior is, because it's not easier. Folks, I understand that. I know that it's not easy to resist temptation to sin. In fact, it's one of the hardest things that we Christians will ever 
do here on this earth. Because again, let's be honest, sinning is fun. I know you're not going to hear a lot of people say that. And to be honest, if you're not willing to acknowledge that, I don't want to have a conversation with you about it. But sinning is fun. Drinking is fun. Doing drugs is fun. Uh, Sex is fun. But none of those things is going to help you walk closer to God, except perhaps sex, but that's, again, only in the context of a marriage. So I should say extramarital sex is fun, because sex is fun. But again, I mean, I can't even wrap my head around the type of energy and maceration that would have to go into successfully carrying on a sexual affair outside of my marriage. This is one of those things that, yeah, you know what? It's not just simpler to just ignore it. It's easier because, oh man, but I know that's not the case for everybody. My point is it requires more energy to follow through on that. So no, really The fact of the matter is, in every temptation, God also provides a way of escape so that you can endure that temptation. Again, it's a simple thing, but it's obviously not easy. If it was, we wouldn't be tempted. We wouldn't be sinning. We would either be, you know, truly, we would either be sinners or we would be not sinners because we could just simply avoid the sin and the temptation. No problem. No sweat. But that's not who we are, unfortunately. So, with all of that having been said, I want to remind you Number one, if you are struggling with sin right now, if you are if you are trying to again I, I, I use the phrase get right with God, you're not alone. You're not the only one. Each and every one of us has this fight pretty much every single day. And so what I would ask you to do, first of all, is to keep in mind that whatever struggle you're going through may or may not be the struggle that the next guy is going through. So in other words, this guy might be dealing with drugs while you're dealing with alcohol, while the next guy is dealing with porn, or a full-blown affair. My point is, one, do not judge others just because you sin differently than they do. Two, encourage each other. We draw strength from one another. Remember, we are all parts of the same body. Encourage each other to stay the course. And don't judge people just because they've succumbed to temptation. 
but instead offer them encouragement and support so that they are better prepared and better able to resist that temptation in the future. And finally, remember, regardless of what sin it is you're struggling with, there is a way out of it, literally sitting on the shelf next to that temptation. All you have to do is submit that sin to God's control. And then hold on tight and see where he goes with it. Now I know that that's, again, easier said than done. But it's still our responsibility. And I promise you, this coming from somebody who has dealt with a lot of the issues that I'm describing today, if you, the more you practice giving it to God, the more you practice submission, the more you practice picking the way out instead of picking the temptation, the more it will become a habit to pick the way out over the temptation. And at some point, it will become more of a reflex to avoid the temptation than it is to succumb to it. I promise you. I promise you, practice. Practice giving it to God. It will become easier. This has been the Solar Seed Pod Podcast, and I am your host, Gordon Dean. God bless.